Hey everybody, it's Drew here. So this is another older episode. Uh, this episode was recorded at the beginning of May, and in it you hear JP and I talk about um, the hiring process for band directors and uh, the state concert festival, um, the Pyramid of Sound, whether or not it's updated or outdated, and just some general pet peeves that we have. Um, so I hope you like it. Here's episode two of Just Two Band Directors with our new title. Here we go. To our still to be named podcast that will at some point have a name. I'm Drew Conley. And I'm JP Davis. Welcome. JP, how's it going? It's okay. Yeah? How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Good. We have a we have the state concert festival coming up this you Saturday. Do. Yeah. yeah. I'm interested to see how it will go. We had a rehearsal today where before rehearsal, um, kind of prep for it i went through the score for molly on the shore and you know a la dr cannon put post-it notes on the stuff that i wanted to cover and i said these are all of my post-it notes my goal is to get through all these post-it notes in this rehearsal and they did that's good uh and it wasn't bad and the kids were like that's not bad and i was like yes that's not bad correct i wish i had had conducting with dr cannon i did have my first level conducting with dr weiss which was great yeah but um, it would have been cool to learn from Dr. Cannon in that way too because oh, I, I was looking at the score for Variations on America the other day because I know that that's a piece that you guys do did in conducting mm. and I was thinking about maybe getting it in, just to have yeah it's a good score it's not that expensive either it's a good piece of music yeah do you have the oversized score or the undersized the regular size score no, undersized. I think is. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I do have. I do have the undersized score there. Ooh. Oh, did you get the spiral bound? I haven't gotten any. Yeah. Autographed I by might Charles spring. Ives himself. Yeah, autographed by Charles Ives. Yeah. Okay. Um, we're going to start with old business. Do you have? I, I mean, it's been a while since we talked last, but just as a reminder here, I have an outline that I will share with you at some point if we keep doing this. But, um, like on a Dropbox or something. Yeah, or just or a Google Doc. Google, there yeah. you go. Um, so last time we talked about bands going grade six in South Carolina. Uh, we talked about practice logs, and we talked about motivation for teachers. Do you have any other thoughts on those? Um, Not that I can think of right now. I don't either. This is great radio or podcast, Good whatever progress. you want to call this. Good progress. Good progress. Okay, so let's launch into new business, and I have many things I'd like to pick your brain about, JP. Many things? Yeah. Okay. I, whenever I see you, I intentionally void band topics so that I can uh, spring them on you here in kind right. of true gotcha journalism fashion. That sounds good. Okay, uh, so we're going to get started with some new business here. Um, so first of all, JP, you know this, I am in the middle of transitioning into a new job and so I wanted you know I went through um, some interviews and stuff and just in the past have been going through interviews just you know since graduation and stuff and so the topic of band interviews has been on my mind and what's really struck me is how it seems like very little portions of interviews when you're uh, interviewing for band position are about like content or about instruction it's a lot of like like this last interview that I was in, I was asked a lot of questions on, and maybe it's just me, I don't know, but I was asked a lot of questions like, um, you know, what kind of fundraising do you do, and how do you deal with parents, and stuff like that, but it was very little questions about like, um, you know, how do you teach this method, or how do you address this concept, and so I wonder if that's typical, and people when they interview teachers are, just in general, are more concerned about um, about like classroom management and logistical stuff than they are about content or is it just because what we teach a lot of people don't know so much about so it's hard to ask those content questions huh that's interesting I and maybe that has not been your experience and you feel like I don't know what you're talking about all of my questions are always <laughs> content no well because I remember when I was interviewing for because um, I had three interviews before I took this position um, 
And I remember my second one was at a school in Georgia. It had been open for like 11 years or something. And it was very similar to the school where I stood and taught at. Um, and they, on the board, they had like a whole bunch of budget stuff. And they had, I mean, they asked me questions about like, how do you, you know, how do you like build a culture? How do you motivate students? Like, how do you uh, fundraise? How would you deal with this money? And how would you do certain things? Um, and I think, like, I, I imagine, and, like, I am not, like, we're not your general ed teachers. I imagine right. for those that they are kind of less focused on content and they are on, um, and they focus more on classroom management. Because for those, it is, like, classroom management because the content is given to you by the state or by the school district. So you don't have to worry about coming yeah, up with content. Yeah, but, like, that doesn't mean you're a good teacher, you know? Well, go ahead, right. though. I don't mean that. I don't mean to interrupt. Oh, no. Oh, well, I was going to say, and then when you come over to band, I mean, sure, they can ask you some stuff about content, but unless there is a music specialist in your interview, then maybe they won't ask you stuff about that. They, I mean, they will ask you, like, we have a band boosters. How do we manage our band boosters, and how can, what can you bring to the table? Because as a band director, you are essentially the CEO of this organization that operates inside of the school, and you could work with anywhere from a couple thousand to a couple hundred thousand dollars. And so they want to make sure that the person that they put in charge will handle that. Like, if they're a good band director, that's great, but we also want to make sure that um, that we don't hire somebody who's going to run us into the red $50,000. Do you think they're more concerned about you, like, being a good CEO than they are about being a teacher because I feel like I know people who could do this and I guess I could do this too and maybe I do I don't know but who can go in and fake through all those questions of like oh well, this is how I deal with money and oh well yeah be organized and oh this is how I deal with parents but then like can they teach no you know so is that the most effective way of hiring a band director um I don't know um you know I don't I'm not sure that it is uh, I know there are some band director interview positions that have like a second round where you, so the first round is we just want to see like who you are. And the second round is you actually go and teach a class. Yeah, which is, I've never done, but I, I think that that is really helpful. I would imagine that that would be really good. Yeah, because then you actually get to see the person in action. And I, I also have not personally been through any of that, um, but I do imagine that like it is super helpful. Um, our but friend like, Zeke in, did that when for this new job that he's getting. He went in and taught a lesson and stuff. Oh, that's cool. And I'm sure that helped him out a ton yeah. because he's good at what he does. But I I don't know. If you were conducting the interview, Drew, you know, how would you... Right, hang on. Let me go put on my suit and tie. <laughs> put on your suit and tie. Yeah, I gotta Make get sure you sit back, in your, sit back in your right. chair, cross your legs. Check my email. <laughs> so if you were in an interview, if you were leading this interview and I walked in, you know, what kind of questions would you want to ask me and why would you want to ask them? Here's your free response question for the day. Thank you. And support <laughs> your answer. Um, you know, I don't know. Well, and I guess that's the thing is that it, it is hard to ask questions like that in an interview. It's hard. I mean, and I guess it would be hard to ask any like any teacher questions like that in an interview. Like, like I can't imagine interviewing a fourth grade English teacher and going and, and being like, Okay, so now this book, now imagine that we're students and you're just going to teach us this book. Like, how would you do that? You know, I, that would be hard to do. And it's hard to do that with a band director, too. But ask questions about how you plan. I think you could do that. You know, like, oh, yeah. talk me through, like, how you plan. Um, a lot of times people will, I've been in interviews where people will ask, um, walk me through what a day in your classroom looks like. And I think that's a good yeah. question. You know, kind of get a sense for it. But I, um, I'm trying to think if there are any others. I, th I think really... You just want to make sure that you're getting a good grasp of how this person handles teaching and handles um, instruction. And I guess, obviously, the best practice would be to have um, somebody come back and do a second round where they get in front of the class. Because, like I said, you can have somebody who comes in and knocks the, the talking to administrators out of the park, but completely falls apart in front of students. Right. You know? And, yeah. And that's inconvenient sometimes, and that's hard to do. To, just logistically, it's hard to have all the people you want come in and um, and do a second round like that just because it's hard to make that happen. A lot of times these are people who have jobs too, and they can't get off or something. But um, I think that right. that's really helpful. Yeah, and I, I agree. 
Yeah, I thought that there was actually going to be a second round of interviews for my position now, but they were just like, hey, we actually just want to give you the job. Like, okay, cool. neat. I guess, too, that's when it helps to have, um, like, references and people that you can call who have seen you teach, you know? Yeah, and that kind of not necessarily eliminates the need for the process, for that right. part of the process, but it makes it so it can that, alleviate some of that fear. Yeah, maybe you don't have to do that thing. Like, I, as a principal, if I know that they have references where it's like, yeah, this person's a fantastic teacher, here are specific, tangible examples, right. then I, as a principal, would feel way more comfortable. Yeah. That's just something that, I, as I was going through that process, because like I said, this last interview I had, I just walked out of it and I was like, wow, I don't think they have any idea of how I teach. I feel like I'm a pretty good teacher, but... And, and I, you know, answered their questions honestly, and I think, I guess I did a good job, I got the job, but I don't know that walking out of that interview, they had any idea of, like, how I was as a teacher, and that seems like that would be the most important thing, you know, that yeah. you would want to know about a person, like, okay, well, how is this person in front of a group of students, and I don't think that they had any concept of that for my interview. Yeah, yeah, that's true. We actually just hired two new uh, percussion people for our marching band, and one... And we're about to hire one new guard person. It's a huge turnover for our staff because our staff is only eight people. So three out of eight people, that's almost 50% of our staff. That's true. Um, but I guess technically we're adding one on, so that would be three out of nine. Which that's is, almost a third. Yeah, almost, almost a third. It actually is a third. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> All right. I don't well, have my calculator. Director, not math majors. <laughs> um, but, so... I didn't necessarily sit in on those interviews because Adam did the interviews during the school day while I was teaching. Um, but he came out of the interviews saying, like, I really like this person and this is why I like them. And specifically for our battery guy, the reason that he liked him so much is because he has a system. He said that, uh, like, he, he's gotten his references. He knows that he teaches indoor up in our area uh, and he's really good at it, apparently. And, you know, even people that I've talked to, I'm like, oh, hey, we just hired this guy. But it's like, yeah, you're really going to like them. Um, but he has a system and Adam. And Adam just is in love with that concept that when he gets in front of these kids, he's not just going to be like, well, um, um. let's work on stick heights today. <laughs> but he's actually going to go in and say, this needs to get done before this can happen, before this can happen, before this can happen. I think it's going to be really beneficial for our program because that's really one thing that, I mean, our entire program, but also our percussion section needs is kind of like that that um, terrorist yeah. uh, progression. That's really interesting. We've talked about this before. I don't know if you remember or not, but when I went down and uh, was at Wanda for a day, that's one thing that Bobby Lambert really talked about was, uh, what? Have you done that before? Have you I have. I know, but that's just, it was really a, a meaningful experience. Yeah, um, sure. But that's one thing that he talked about a lot when it was not anything that he did, but it was what Scott Rush did. And he said, you know, that's one thing that Scott Rush was really good about was coming up with systems and putting them in place of, you know, how we progress through learning, how, you know, just logistically the systems work. And that's, you know, Bobby blames a lot of, blames, a, a good blame, blames a lot of their success on the systems that Scott Rush put in place. And that's also what the uh, the habits for high school musicians, or habits for successful musicians, those warm-up books, available at uh, Amazon.com and J.W. Pepper and Gia Publishing Places now. where you can buy books. Right. <laughs> But not uh, not like Barnes, Barnes and Noble. Noble. Probably not at Barnes and Noble. But yeah, places where like you can kind of buy books. Right. Maybe also other things. Your local music educator uh, conference, you can buy it there. Probably Midwest. <laughs> Anyways, um, but that's what those books are. Is like a collection of the processes or the systems that Scott Rush. I don't feel like I, I know him well enough to call him Scott. That uh, <laughs> Mr. Rush put together for warming up his man. Yeah. Um... Yeah, and I was talking about this, you know, with with my head director. We were talking about, you know, this idea of a system and about how moving into next year I want to create this system. And we were talking about Burns High School because uh, Brian Bone over there is phenomenal. And I, I mentioned to him that, you know, Brian's just got a phenomenal system. But, I mean, he used to be at a much smaller high school a two-way high school and had over 150 kids in the program and then he That's went over to burn swansea he was actually he was oh, hired yeah my head principal hired brian bone at swansea oh, and cool. lived through his successes so he expects big things from us but um and then when he went over to burns he saw that burns didn't have a system 
So he was like, I'm going to make a system for them, a system yeah. that works. And now Burns is super successful. And uh, Adam made a comment. He's like, you know, Malden is where I meant to be, you know, because like I know this community and I know how to work through these people. But like if I were to go to Burns, they're great success. How they're, they have great success. How can I keep that success going? And I mentioned, you know, they have a system. And so really when somebody else comes in, you know, you want to make sure that you bring in somebody who's going to take that system and keep that system or improve that system, make it more efficient and make it more productive or just kind of maintain what it is. If it's great, you know, a la Wanda. Now, sure. Like Wanda does room for improvement, but um, you know maybe Bobby, Bobby Lambert's first year was just maintain the system, see how everything works, and then next right. year let's make some tweaks. And I think even band directors who have had their system going for 20, 25 years can still look at that and still learn and, and improve their own thing. Yeah, well, even if you know, I think that's important in, in looking at next year because I'm going to be taking over a new job. I think that's important, even if you don't know, like, even if you're not going into Wando, like, whatever you're going into, you want to, I think, take a minute and kind of look back and figure stuff out and figure out what works and what doesn't work. Dr. K- I don't know how I found this video of Dr. Cannon doing a talk with uh, the Michigan State staff. This is back when he was at Michigan State. Huh. And he was talking about, uh, it was like his first year there, and um, they said, you know, it was a, kind of that question of, like, when you get hired, what should you do? And it was really interesting then in perspective seeing, because we got to see Dr. Cannon's first year at USC. Um, yeah. But he was saying, you know, when you take over or when you go into a job, you just kind of have to do that. You just kind of sit back and, and, and observe and try to understand why things are in place. And he compared it to, like, when you move into a house, you go in and you're like, okay, well, I don't really like that couch there. But maybe there's a reason that it's there that I don't know yet. So let's see you know if we can figure that yeah. out and if there's a different place for the couch or if there's a is a good Better reason couch. for that couch to be there or let's just get yeah. a new couch yeah um, yeah and i think sorry you keep going no 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 no. i mean that was pretty much my point just that just coming in and and looking at systems and, and observing systems and figuring out what works and what doesn't work yeah yeah like take, taking over a band program is like moving into a furnished home there we go. There you go. Write that down somewhere. That's going in the book. Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna Chapter be chapter uh, eight. <laughs> that's gonna be a presentation I give somewhere. Um, Coming to but, the Midwest stage soon. Now Taking I forgot. Taking band. Pr- sorry. Oh no, I remember now. Um, so when I came into my program, you know, one as a first year teacher, they say your first year, like, don't touch, change anything. Um, you, you Which, barely exist as a person your first year. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. Um, but I was very fortunate into where they trust they trusted the marching band with me. So I, uh, so I was on the tower giving instructions, you know, preparing rehearsals. Essentially, I w- I was in charge of the staff, which was really fun and really cool. Um, but I I mean it was very interesting for me to see you know why they do certain things and so at first when I started there I went in like I realized I was saying a lot well when I was in high school or when I was in Carolina band we did this thing and so then I said well let me you know take a step back and keep looking at this stuff see why they do things why they do certain things and I say okay well what if we tried this way have you thought about doing it this way Um, and so even in the first year like you can make small tweaks I think to um, to you know, fix stuff for the better, it, as long as you know for a fact that it's going to make it better. But I wouldn't have come in this first year, you know, let's say the system I'm going to make the summer I had before I graduated college, I wouldn't have come in with that system and say, this is what we're doing. But right. um, or I, I wouldn't have wanted to. I don't think it would have been successful. No. Um, but I started, you know, what kind of things did you guys do last year? Uh, you know, what things did the previous person who was in charge of you do so that way I can you know take that and I can look at it see whether or not it'll work you know we can try it we can grow together um I think the kids really appreciated that too because there's not a huge shift that was one thing that was interesting when I took over or when I got hired at Lancaster um was there wasn't really a system um because you know this but for our listeners at home just to catch you up to, to speed uh, for all the viewers out there. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, but when I got hired, I was the fourth band director there in, a, in less than a year, right? So there was a band director there who was for a really long time, and then there was a guy who taught history at the school who used to be a band director, and he filled in for the rest of the semester after the, the, the guy who had been there for so long 
went on a medical leave, and then they hired somebody in the uh, spring semester, and he was there for the whole semester and then left. And so by the time I got hired, there were, you know, the system that was in place was just this strange assortment of things that the guy who was there right before me had changed or had put in play or like had said they were going to do but hadn't had the chance to really do yet and stuff that the guy who had been there for a really long time had done and so it was really um it was kind of a bizarre situation to be in where it was just like you know because they tell you all the time in college like when you get hired don't change anything you know you don't want to come in guns blazing and and do any of that like you said (laughs) But I that was very good. Um, but I didn't have anything to keep the same because I didn't know what had been the same. It was just really strange. It was a weird place to be in. Um, it's like you're the end of the banana phone game. Sure. That's uh, or the, yeah. Or telephone. Hey, have you ever played that game? Oh yeah, telephone. Did you say banana yeah. phone? I did say banana phone. We're changing the name of the game now to Banana Phone. And Is so, that a thing? And I just have never heard that? Or did you just misspeak? I think I just misspoke. No, no, but, no. That's a thing. You did that on purpose. So we're going to say this telephone, but whenever you talk to somebody, you have to say it into the banana, right. and then you pass it to them, oh. and, and then they just, they just guess. It's like, well, oh. I think they said this, and so they say it into the Banana Phone, um, and then they get to the end, and then the person at the end... They put it up to their ear, and then it plays everything that everybody says. Okay. And so if you say bad stuff about the person at the end, they hear out, and then they break the banana on your face or something. I don't know logistically. I'm thinking, like, actually about this game now, and I don't know how that would work logistically with the banana, but I really do like the introduction of the banana into telephone. I think that's a really good <laughs> use of props there. You yeah. know? I think, I, I, again, I don't know how it would work. It really takes the context of the game away, like the purpose of the game away. But I really like the idea of sitting in a circle and talking into a banana and then going, it's for you, and then passing that along. <laughs> yeah. I, I have a video I have to send you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look it up while we continue talking. Okay. Um, so the question I want to remind you is about interviews, and I think that we strayed away, yeah. which is good. But Yeah, but I think we, I tried to pull it back in. Did you? Yeah, I mentioned like so when you hire somebody, and oh, I said okay, that like yeah. a couple of times, so, you know, tie it all together. I was not catching on to that, but I I do appreciate that uh, that segue back. I think that was good. My students don't catch on to it either. It's like subliminal uh, scaffolding. It's all exactly. Yeah. Cool. So when you hire people, uh, get them see how they teach. <laughs> okay. Next question. This comes from something from uh, the band directors group, just seeing different posts, but also something that I've noticed too. Um, and it is, what should we expect, expect students to do outside of class in regards to preparation? What, how, what, obviously we want students to come in, you know, we always say, the standard thing that band directors always say is, uh, you learn your notes and rhythms outside of class. But what do we actually legitimately expect students to do outside of class, how much time should we expect them to actually practice? Um, where's that level of expectation? Yeah, okay. I know for me right now, I just want them to go home and take their instrument out and play it for a little bit. Like, it can be five minutes, it can be 50 minutes. Um, ideally, like, I tell them, you know, 15 minutes a day, you know, just go home and, and, and play your instruments. So that way you're still doing it outside of class. Um, but I mean, especially in high school, because they've got a million other things going on, um, they don't they do not do that. And because they, you know, they're worried about everything. Um, but I think for me, ideally, when my student goes home, I, I'd like them to spend maybe 30 minutes at least playing their instruments, like 30 minutes to an hour, because they've got other work they have to do. Um, and the other classes are, you know, arguably more important than band, if we're being real. Um, but uh, I want them to, you know, make sure they get a solid warm-up and at home that they work on their scales so they can play their scales. Um, if they haven't learned their concert music, make sure they play it. Or if or whatever we talked about in class, just make sure to take a second look at it and say, okay, I know that I can do that the right way that he wants me to. Because once they learn their notes and rhythms, you know, in class it's balance and blend, and you can't really do that outside of class. Sure. Um, 
But with this system I want to create next year, the system would require them to go home and practice their skills and make sure they can play it play it in front of other people. And then also etude stuff, so individual studies for their own instrument that will work on expanding their range, improving their tone quality, improving their personal intonation, um, and improving their personal fundamental techniques just in general. Um, that's what I want them to be focusing on outside of of class because you know that's kind of how your lessons are is that when when you leave a lesson it's okay I I want you to work on these things or you know for us and on the saxophone studio at USC it was at least yeah go Cox Um, my personal practice session was I always go in go into the room I do your standard you know concert a concert a flat scale warm-up and then I spend time on scales Um, and then after I spend time on scales I pull out my etude um, because I know my etude is gonna help those again those fundamental techniques and then maybe some etude stuff i can apply to my solo but the stuff that he wants me to do on my solo i I work on and then i make sure that i bring it back to him saying hey i did this i'm ready for more of that Um, yeah and that was i mean we should say that was something that was hammered into us too not only was it that was the structure of the lessons which was you know you warm up with that scale like you said and then you do scales and then etude and then solo but like he told us this is how you should practice too i want you to go through and practice this way exactly you know uh and so I, I really want my my kids, my kids, my student kids to uh, to do that. But I guess I haven't explicitly stated that for them. Yeah. So I wonder too. You know, should we be saying? I guess we should. You know, I, I think this is probably best practice. Is at the end of a lesson, say, okay, this is what you need to practice for next time. You know, we need to make sure that this is getting ready. I guess. I think it's easy to assume that kids are going to know what they need to practice. Right. But they Do might... You... Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. No. They're, they're supposed to know, but they might not remember when they get home. Is that right. What you're say? Or they might not know. You know, they might get to... Maybe we trust that kids know, you know, what they really need to work on and work out. But um, when you get home, or, or they just might not be aware enough or experienced enough to know, especially when uh, early on in this band career that you know yeah so what if do you guys have google classroom at your school right now um we also have google classroom and we use google classroom in the band class probably once a month um just because of nature of what it is uh but what if at the end of rehearsals you know we sat down and we wrote down whatever we needed like to work on or whatever um, and you know while also prepping for the next class but then it, at the end of the day before you go home just spend 10 minutes on Google Classroom saying in each in each section this this is what we need to work on tonight coming into tomorrow yeah. so that way when your kid goes home your kid can check that or if it's like you know you can make like a Trello board or like uh, a Google Doc or anything or you know send out a remind message to the band class um, so that way they have that when they get home because if they don't write it down and they don't remember then they're not going to remember it well no, I, I wonder though i guess this goes back to my question of what should we, what can we actually expect kids to do i'm thinking about my kids and i think that that's a great idea but i don't know that my kids right now would actually do that you know like i i could take time and type all that up but how many of them would then actually put that into practice i don't know so then well, I, I, I guess the question is is that um what the kids are doing wrong am i doing something wrong in that or at the end of the at the end of the day like if a kid is going to practice that is their own personal choice to practice and so you can push them as much as you want but if they're not going to do it they're not going to do that and you can't go home and make them practice and so really i don't think that's necessarily something that you're doing wrong um excuse me um we can cut that later um we're leaving it in um but i think you know, like we said in, in college for a lot of different things, that when I do this, you know, not everybody's going to do it, but the people who do, the people who actually do that thing, it will have been beneficial because somebody will have. And so, you know, you won't, yeah, you won't catch all the fish with, with your big net, but you'll catch some of them and you'll get to eat those fish. Okay. I followed that metaphor through, I think. <laughs> Okay. Um, so do you think, I mean, realistically, what, how, how long do you think, a, how many minutes a, a week do you think a kid should practice? 
a week. How many uh, minutes a week do you think we should expect the kid to practice? Not uh, not the BS like band director like you need to practice an hour a day or Dr. Lehman who would used to say, you know, you need to be practicing for three hours every single day. Like Dr. Yeah, Lehman, did, I am not you, practicing for three hours every single day. Yeah, did you practice for your twenty-one hours each week? A heck no, no, no way, no. I practice like, honestly, my senior year. This is not good. I'm not proud of this, but honestly, my senior year, I was probably practicing four to five hours a week. Yeah. And it showed. Like I, I was clearly, uh, certainly not the best. Probably towards the bottom of the studio. Like I never made wind ensemble. I wish I would have, and and I think that that was reflected. But at the same time, it was like. You know, I had a girlfriend. I was in KKSI. I was doing senior staff with Carolina Band. There were just other things that um, got more important, I guess. And, and and I know high schoolers have stuff like that too. Where stuff is just more important. Um, I had to practice, you know, but I wasn't practicing like I needed to. Right. And so, I, I mean, the challenge then is to figure out how to become more efficient with your practicing. Right. Uh, so how much can I get done in, you know, with with the amount of time that I do actually have for this? Um, and also, I got very creative with when I would practice. Like, I would go, you know, leave Kayla's at, like, 11 o'clock at night and say, all right, I got to go stop by the School of Music and practice for an hour. And I would leave the School of Music at, like, 12.15 or 12.30. Yeah. But because you can so do practice. that stuff in college. You can't do That's that right. really in high school. Yeah, my neighbors are asleep. Um, but my I think, brother you know, had reali- to go to bed, so. Realistically, I'd like for my kids... As long as they have the stuff that they need to be working on at home, I like for my kids to practice at least two hours a week. You know, yeah. so that's that could be you know four days out of your school week: Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You practice, yeah. and then you don't have to practice on the weekend necessarily, or you know you figure out how to you know make it work. But the more that you get into that habit, you know, it's it's as simple as like getting a habit getting into a habit of brushing your teeth or yeah. going to the gym or waking up at a certain time the more that you do it the more natural it'll be and so it, it's just like okay well i have to do this now maybe not because i want to because my body is telling me that i have yeah. to it just becomes something oh when i go home i practice you know when i wake up i brush my teeth when i go home i practice exactly that's just what i do okay cool good answer all right next question this is another thing, not a specific post from the band directors group, but uh, another question from them. What to do, what what do you do if a kid can't come to a concert, um, and why do these problems keep happening? Like, okay, that makes sense. What do you do if a kid can't come to a concert? Like, I see a lot of posts about alternative assignments for kids who can't come to concerts. Um, so I think, okay, well, what is an alternative assignment for a kid who can't come to the concert? And then my addition to that is, why aren't there so many kids who can't come to concerts? Like, why are all of these kids just not showing up? Yeah. Um, that was actually something that Jordan was dealing with today. Um, they have... So these two kids didn't come to the concert, so they weren't going to allow them to go to Carolyn's, uh, mostly because they didn't come to the concert. Um, but one of the assistant principals backed them up on that, but the head principal was like, well, do you have that in writing anywhere, saying well, if they miss this concert, they can't go? And they were like, okay, well, no, but we do have in the handbook, if they get if they have below an 80, they can't come on this trip. Right. Um, and because this is a major grade for the school system, um, they they would have below an 80, so they couldn't come on. But then, you know, other stuff happened. But that's between them and the school. Um, sure. So maybe the question of, like, what do you do about kids not coming to concert? Is that, is that the first part of the question? Yeah. What what is there an alternative assignment for kids who can't come to concerts? Not really, because there, there's not the experience where they can go and play with their peers in front of other people. And that band is such a such a big unified thing that requires everybody to be there like if you if you play snare drum on the concert but you're not there it's going to be very different without you because you're the only snare drum player and if you play third clarinet it won't be as detrimental but it still will be kind of detrimental well Um, i think too you want kids to have that experience like that's that's why you do band you know you don't do band i mean rehearsing and all that should be a part of it and I think that there are good things right. that come out of rehearsal but what's so rewarding about being in band is that performance aspect and so you want kids to have that absolutely know, celebration of performance yeah and so 
you know, uh, you know, to get people to come or to get parents to come, I mean, like, you know, or get parents to bring their kids, like, make sure they know up front and they sign it as part of the as part of the handbook, you know. A lot of band programs have handbooks, and so they say, these are the dates for our concerts. By signing this, you understand that you have to be there at these concerts uh, or that you are required, and it is for a grade because it is, you know, part of the class grade. Right. Um, and so uh, I feel like, you know, some parents just forget or they feel like, well, we're just not going to go because I don't want to go, and they yeah. almost have, like, this sense of entitlement, and, like, it's very unfortunate, because the kid probably doesn't share that same thing, and so the parent's making this decision for the kid, and now the kid has to be punished, and parents don't know how to deal with that. Um, yeah, I just feel like, I, not so much now, I guess, but, well, I guess concert season's wrapping up, but for a while there, like, every time I got on Facebook, I would look at the band director's page, and it was, like, every single day. I have a kid who can't go to a concert. What should I do? I have a kid who can't come to a concert. What should I do? And that's just something that I've never really experienced as a teacher and as a student. As a kid, right. just saying like, "Oh, I can't come. I'm not gonna go." What? Yeah. Right. I don't know. It was just a weird thing. I don't know. I don't really know how you fix that. I guess. Like, is it, do you think these are teachers who just aren't putting that in their handbook? No, I don't. I don't imagine. Uh, but you know, everybody's different, so maybe maybe there are. Maybe they just don't realize. Um, I don't know. I would have to like be in the place to actually figure that out. I guess. That's fair. Next question: Pyramid of sound, outdated or good? You decide. Like, in terms of balance. Yeah, like the pyramid of sound uh, concept of balance. This is another thing from the um, band director's group that I saw, and it sparked discussion, and I'll preface this by, with the story of uh, when I took middle school band, it was my turn to teach, and I got up, this was a class in college, the middle school band, um, and I got up to teach my beginning band class uh, of the college students. Um, and I drew the pyramid of sound on the board so we could talk about balance. And then we had conducting Dr. Weiss in the same room the next class, and Dr. Weiss comes in. It's all a lot of the same people. We're just kind of, you know, moving around, like getting our stuff set up and everything. And Dr. Right. Weiss comes into the room, and he looks at the board, and he says, I want all of the band director, future band directors to look at me for a second. And he took an eraser and very dramatically erased my pyramid of sound from the board <laughs> and said, this is outdated. Unless you're playing something from the 50s, you shouldn't even be mentioning the pyramid of sound. And I just hung, hugged my head in shame. Oh, man. Yeah. And then, like the whole class knew it was you. Yeah, and, and so then that... they said, ha ha, Drew sucks. Ha ha. Dr. Wee <laughs> says Drew's not a good teacher. <laughs> That didn't actually happen, but if you knew our friends, like you, that would not surprise anybody if that did actually happen. Especially, you know, especially our friend out in California. That wouldn't surprise me at all. No. Um, I love her so much. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily outdated. I think if it works to get that into the kids' heads, like, I need to, you know, pay more attention to balance, I think that I, I think that that's the thing that you can talk about. There's also, like, I think, have you heard of the cupcake metaphor when it comes to balance? May, I, I don't think I've heard it explicitly, but I think I know what you're saying, but explain it anyways. Uh, I don't know if I can explain it, honestly. Um, there's, like, something about, like, you know, the, the cake part, and that's these people, and then there's the, the icing, which is these people in the sprinkles or your upper voices or whatever. You know, similar to the pyramid, just in a cupcake. Um, I do like cupcakes. I, I also like cupcakes. Um... I think that if I, I think if it helps your program, I mean, there's nothing wrong with saying it. But you, you know, you as a band director also have to be able to realize this doesn't necessarily work right here. That, um, mm -hmm. you know, like for example, with Molly on the Shore, with Molly on the Shore, there are so many different melodies. Thank you for that uh, for that example. Yeah. Uh, but if you want you to know, record that for your students, that's fine. <laughs> Uh, there are so many different themes and melodies that are coming out of it, and um, so many different things are always being exposed. And it's not always in like the the upper main voices. Well, actually, that piece it kind of is like the upper voices always take the stuff away. Um, but 
you know, in another piece where, you know, the low brass might have the melody or whatever, or, you know, this other section might have the melody, they have to understand that this pyramid of sound now changes to where this person right here is the important voice we need to listen to, or we need to support their sound. So maybe, you know, another way you could explain it to your kids is like a primary, secondary, and tertiary role, that your primary is your melody, the main thing you want to hear. Your, uh, your secondary is the explicit, like, counter melody or explicit harmony that comes along with that make sure all of that's balanced and tuned well and then your accompaniment is your tertiary stuff um and that you guys are just chilling in the background and you guys are just like yeah you're you there. got it you're like yeah <laughs> you're like the audience so you have like the people you have your main singers and then you have your backup singers and then you have the audience who's singing along with them or clapping with them that's okay. another example that i just came up with off the top of my head i'm going to trademark okay. it right now okay anybody so can uh yeah, I'm going to copyright it right now so that way nobody can steal it. This is all um, part of the Davis Method, uh, available now at fine retailers, coming to a Midwest, Midwest stage soon. And some places where you can buy books. That's right. Um, so I don't think it's outdated necessarily. I think that it just requires the teacher to understand it doesn't work all the time. Well, I think the best thing about the Pyramid of Sound is that it's a good beginning place to introduce the concept of balance. Absolutely. It's a good visual. Like I, as a young, dumb band student, can look at the this drawing on the board and go, "Oh, okay." Like I should play louder, or "Oh, I need to be softer here." And it, you can start thinking about that because you know you got to start with balance somewhere. Kids don't come out going, "Oh, okay, tubas." We got to hear those tubas. You know, they're just playing band, rah, 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 like loud as you can. And so to start getting that idea of balance in their head and who to listen for and just the idea of listening in general, I think the pyramid of sound is a good place to start. Like you said, obviously it's not a one-size-fits-all solution. Dr. Weiss, I know that. Um, this is really just so that I no, can feel vindicated uh, with Dr. Weiss. Um, obviously it's not a one-size-fits-all solution, but... Like, it's a good jumping-off point. Yeah. I don't think there's ever a situation where I would feel like I'm wiser than Dr. Weiss, though. So. Oh, no. And I, I, I think you would agree with that. But j just for the record. For the record. Let the record we'll show. We'll never, please. ever be better than him. No. No. Okay. That's all the new business. Do you have any questions for me, JP? Um, not really I can think of. I mean, I've asked you a lot about if you're excited for your new program and stuff. Yeah, I'll talk about that for a second. Um, uh, I will be taking over as uh, the director of bands at Union County High School. Um, that's been posted, it was posted on a Union radio station Facebook page, announced that. Broke that news. Broke that hot take. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, yeah, what's cool is that, like, I feel like um, for the past two years, like, um, I've been a band director and I've been a high school band director, but we haven't really done much because we haven't really, just that program is in such a building state. This program, I'm still the band director for right now, is in such a building state that, like, it didn't make sense for us to go do, like, upper state marching band finals. It didn't make sense for us to go... Well, again, I've talked about us not doing Concert Festival before, and I still don't know. You know, maybe we should have done Concert Festival, but we didn't do Concert Festival. Um, we just didn't do stuff like that. But this, you know, union, it, it does stuff. And they're, um, they're also kind of building, but it's in a it, – it's also it's a, an established program. There's yeah, stuff they're there. further along in that building. Yeah, process. for sure. Um, and so it's just stuff that I have – not really done in a while that I have to dust some cobwebs off and get ready to help kind of steer that. So that's exciting. Yeah. It's a little nervous. It makes me a little nervous, but it's exciting too. Yeah, definitely. That's cool. Yeah, like, like I said, I'm super happy for you. I think that it'll be great for both you and the program. I hope so. I really do. I think so too. Um, I'm also just kind of like a... Like... My parents, when I talk about it, are like, like, are you, uh, you have any emotions about it? Or like, you know, what do you think? Are you excited? I'm just like, yeah. My mom is, my mom, 
the, the other day I was at my parents' house and I was sitting there playing piano. My dad came home. And this was the day that I had called and accepted the job. And my dad came home and I said, yeah, I accepted the job. And I just kind of kept playing piano. My mom was like, he's not really good at communicating. We've, we've been talking about this. <laughs> Um, but I am excited. I'm a little nervous, but uh, more excited than nervous. It's just get going. Yeah, I mean, then you're going to get in there, you're going to roll your sleeves up, and you're going to start working. That's right. Get my broom out and start sweeping stuff away. <laughs> um, okay, so additional business. One thing that I wanted to talk about, and this is still related to band a little bit, but uh, pet peeves. I have, and I'll, I'll give one, and that is the treble clef, bass clef, heart design. Oh, yeah. I, I hate that. Yeah. I feel you. That's just... I'm glad that you hate that, too. I feel like a lot of people like that, and it's painted on the wall at my school by the oh, course. Oh, no, so you have to like, see it oh. every day? Yeah. Oh, man, I'm so sorry. I just think it's so tacky. Yeah, I mean, it's great for your high school band couples, but... Oh, my God. Not for me. Oh my god. I also feel like uh, like people get this tattooed. Yeah. I don't know. Not me. I no. will not. I think part of the reason I dislike it so much is that it plays into this. This is a, uh, if, if I may, this is a, um, it's kind of a superiority thing, I guess, I have. Like, I, I, I shouldn't feel this way, but, like, the passive music lover, I guess this is another pet peeve, like, the passive person who like claims that they love music but like really they just love like whistle 100 you know but they're like man i love music so much and i am just like such a musical person but like like you don't have to go major in music to be a musical person but like you should you don't really love music like you love the hits like you love like b93.7 you're not I don't know. Again, I it's I don't like talking about it because it makes me feel You heard like it a here first. Person. Drew Connolly is the gatekeeper for music lovers. He's here judging you at the door. I am, I am the art uh the art what is it? The Saint Michael at the pearly gates, like saying who can come into the kingdom and not. That's me. Exactly. I stand at the gates of music and say who's allowed to enjoy it and who is not. You don't really love music. I think that there are people who really love music, like really love the idea of music. But I do feel like if you're going to sit there and get such a, first of all, such a bad tattoo, like the <laughs> treble clef, bass clef tattoo, if you're going to take that commitment to get a music, ugly design though it may be, get a music tattoo like on your body, you have to, re- like, you should know some about music and about all types of music and about, you know, classical music and country music and hip hop. Like, you, if you're going to say music speaks to me on this level, then you have to be able to back that up, you know? Yeah. That's how I feel. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, like, so then even then, if you are, if you only enjoy, you know, top 40 music, I mean, you know, you have to be able to, I guess explain why you feel that way or, or back it up, give supporting evidence. Yeah. But I mean, also, I mean, people experience music in different ways. So, I mean, like, I mean, the feeling that I get listening to my favorite pieces might be, you know, the feeling that they get listening for their favorite songs. But also, I mean, I understand that I, I, you know, have gone through music school and I understand music a, a lot more than just your casual grocery store music listener, you know? Right. And how many music people do you know who actually, like, go get music tattoos? Like, well, okay, that's a bad example, never mind. Yeah, that was a bad example, but... I'll, never mind. We'll scratch that one. Okay. So we'll expunge that from the record, please. <laughs> do you have any pet peeves, JP? Uh, yeah, I have quite a few, actually. Uh, my biggest one is when people leave practice room lights on. Even yes. at my own school, we have practice rooms, and they leave their lights on. Such bad on. practice room etiquette honestly terrible um i hate when you finish playing and then you put your instrument down and you look left or right and you talk to the person who's next to you i hate that yeah, okay um i hate overly not hate but this is my pet peeves but i guess you also hate things that are your pet peeves overly affectionate band couples oh my god it just made me sick um, i i have been in a I, I started off dating my girlfriend uh, band camp my sophomore year of high school. I probably would not say I am one, have ever been one of those people. Good. Thank I you. mean, 
I mean, there are some people who just, you know, every moment they got to be next to each other, got to be touching each other, got to, you know, just like, yo, chill. Yeah, we get chill. it. Please. Yeah. Are, oh, are you um, two together? That's what you should say every time you. Oh, yeah. I did it. Are you? Oh. Are you Dating? How long has that been going on? Is that a thing? Mr. Davis, you've asked us that question every day for a year. Have I? I just just don't ever see you like interacting like that. I just forget. I just forget. (laughs) Sorry, I'm just I'm just super. I have a meeting. I have to go. I have to go. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, those are kind of. I guess those are my top. I have one more. Okay, if you're okay. This is a convert. I hate. Uh, I have this theory that whenever you get a group of two or more teachers together in any conversation, there can be other people in those mix too. But the conversation will inevitably at some point tor- turn to um, weird students' names. Do you know what, what you I mean? mean? Not necessarily. Like, oh, I taught somebody one time whose name was Orangelo, and it was spelled Orange Jello. <laughs> have you not ever been a, a part of these conversations i've never heard that name i mean i have even before i was a teacher like you know ladasha yeah and it's always the same names and i don't think that these people have ever told any of these people i Yo, think that they're just the I, same names that go through again and again i definitely did go to high school with a girl whose name was ladasha and it was l-a-i-a okay I definitely went to school with a i girl. believe you i hate those conversations i hate them <laughs> so so much and i feel like every single time it's a group of two or more teachers that conversation will inevitably come up and whenever that happens i always just go (laughs) and i just zone out for like five minutes yesterday i was uh i went to a uh brew or not a brew but a bar with my head director and his wife and we were talking about other stuff and probably like 20 25 minutes had passed and then he said something about ban, and as soon as he said it, his wife was like, hey, do you have any games on your phone? And I was like, <laughs> wow, hard pass on this conversation. Yeah. She was like, I hear it all the time. And I was like, yeah, I know. And he's like, no, don't feel bad for her. She married into this. Really I don't funny. blame her, though. Like, yeah. that's got to be old. Yeah. But, I mean, our world is changing every day. You know. But that's, honestly, that's my biggest pet peeve. I can live with the treble clef, bass clef, heart tattoo design. I think it sucks. You should never get that tattooed. Please don't even look at that. I have a t-shirt from SED with that on it that I never wear because, one, it's an ugly t-shirt, Georgia Tech. Two, it's just an ugly, I just hate that design. Uh, But more than that pet peeve is really the, the teacher talking about students' names. I just... It happens all the time, and I never have any patience for it. Interesting. I've never really thought about it. You're going to pick up on it now. Kayla knows this, too, and so, like, whenever it comes up and Kayla's around, she'll be like, she'll just kind of look at me and give me this look. She takes part in it every time. Of course. She is 100% about it, but she always just kind of looks at me like, you hate this, and then keeps going. So you talk about this KK Sly shirt that you had. I have to show you this one that I got when I went to the convention this last time because I love it. Yeah. Um, I can't see my screen, so I don't know if you can see. I can. Alright, so here is the front. Okay, it's a frocket. This is the Zeta Kai one? No, this is, uh, University of Alabama was selling this, so it's a frocket, okay. right? Yeah. Um, but then on the back, it's got this on it. Oh, that's really neat. Yeah, it was like 25 bucks, but every buck was worth it. It's yeah. super, it's comfort color, so it's super comfortable, and as soon as I saw it, I was like, I have to buy that. I want that. So, anyways. Alright. So that's my pet, that could be a recurring segment, pet peeves, we need a jingle for it. Pet peeves. That's it. <laughs> Don't forget, somebody write that down. Somebody transcribe that, please. Pet peeves. All right. Um, any other additional business? Uh, I don't have any, honestly. How have you recovered from Infinity Wars? Um, I still haven't, honestly. Like, every time I see a meme where it's like, you know, even... The uh, SpongeBob run where it's Patrick and he's like SpongeBob. I don't feel so good every time it just gets me. I oh, know <laughs> that part was so sad. And so wow. I was talking with one of my friends and she was gonna go see it tonight. 
And I was like, I don't know if you'll like it. And she was like, well, I know everybody dies. I'm like, well, how dare you let people spoil it for you? Yeah. But also, seeing it is just so hard. But I really want to watch the movie again. I think probably some of my favorite parts were, um, and also, by the way, if you haven't seen the movie yet, whenever this is released, you know, a year into the future. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, I... I love the iron spider suit. That yeah. suit is awesome. I love that, like it, because in I believe in the comics. I didn't really read them, um, but the iron spider suit had those legs that it has in the movie, and like the way that they utilized those was just great. For sure. um, and then I also really love when Thor came from um, after he got his new axe and yeah. just fucked shit up. Oh my god, Drew. It was so cool, and like yeah. people, like people in the theater were like, you, know, you were there. I was. Um, I forgot. I saw it with you. We, we did see it together. Um, um but, but you know, the people, yeah, the, the people were clapping, and like all of a sudden, I was clapping along too. I was like, this is oh. awesome. Yeah, I've never really experienced anything like that in a movie theater before. It's really, like yeah. even at the end of the movie, you've never been there, like people clap, like in the plane land. <laughs> what what movie did that happen in? Um, it was something, I think, definitely after I saw Spider-Man, because I saw Spider-Man twice opening weekend. Like I'm pretty sure most time was Spider-Man Homecoming. Okay. Um, really, I think I've seen all of them, or Amazing Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2, and Homecoming all in theaters. Um, but, like, also at the end of the Harry Potter films, especially later yeah, on. Maybe I clapped, and maybe there was clapping. That It's very rare that that happens. It kind of depends on how many people are in the movie theater, and right. then when you hear that one... It's like, oh, I'm. Oh, we all now. have to do this now. It's like a standing yeah. ovation. Like, you can't have one person stand up and not, not have the whole rest of the area. Oh, we're, we're doing this. All right. Yep. You very well could. I, I have not experienced nah, that. It's, it's incredibly awkward. Right. But you very well could. I will say that has happened at like recitals before, where it's like one person, like the person's girlfriend or boyfriend, like jumps up and starts clapping. Everybody's like, it wasn't that good. <laughs> Did you hear him? It was, it was like, it was okay. They probably got a B. <laughs> I'll give them a standing ovation when they come out of their next lesson. Yeah, that's, that's the real work. <laughs> but, yeah, your, your I mean, I'm, I'm recovering okay. I think those are my favorite parts. I'm super excited for the next one. I really want to see that movie again. I really like to see Black Panther again. That's just a very well done so film. Did you get my text the other day about ancestral planes? Yeah, I got it last night. I was uh, a lot of stuff kind of came up yesterday, so I was dealing with all that. Sure. Um, so I didn't text you back, but I, I'm not sure that I immediately recognize that tune. But I will listen to it for good. You should. Tonight. I was also thinking it would make a cool pre-show. Ooh, our pre-show for our marching band this year. I will send it to you via text message. Is based off of this piano piece by Alex French. Mm. So, or I think it's. Did Alexis. he stutter, or is that his name? So it's Alex. For French, so two Fs. Are you um, saying that's not a typo? I'm positive. I will send you this link, and then you can see everything else. Okay. Um, but also make sure to watch that video, other video I sent you. I will. Um, but but our pre-show is based off of this cool. Uh, it's called Bluebird, and so it's based off of this uh, piano theme. Um, and the winds kind of interchange in the pre-show, and I don't know how I feel about the winds playing before they actually get judged, but we'll see. Um, or maybe it is judged, and it's just this is pre-show setting up the rest of the show that we're going right. to do. I, I don't know. Um, but I don't know. I, I'm super excited for this show, and I'll listen to it, and I'm sure maybe I'll think the same thing. Sure. Yeah. Well, okay, here's another pet peeve. Okay. Pet peeve. Um, Thank you. I, anytime you do a marching band show about birds in any form or fashion, mm. you have to play Firebird. Oh, yeah. I hate that. I oh, don't you think, don't like that you have to play Firebird? I, I don't like that you have to, because our okay. show is called The Robot and the Bluebird, but we're playing Firebird as our closer, which, like, I get it, because birds, but, like, a bluebird on fire is a red bird and not a bluebird. <laughs> And, like, the color scheme just in my head doesn't make sense. Oh, um, I feel that. So that's part of the problem. And I really want it because we were saying we want to have a strong, triumphant, majestic ending. And I was like, okay, what if we did – and they they played something by Granger. And I was like, wow, I really like that. Um, 
but then I was like, you know, what if we did like Rocky Point Holiday? Mm. You know, like like that that would be so cool and they're like mm, we're gonna do firebird instead and i was like oh okay but i do like firebird i do like firebird don't get me wrong i don't think you have to do it every time your marching band show theme has birds in it that's fair yeah that does okay but you also can't do it unless your marching band theme has birds in it because without birds it's just out of place what about oh, if we had a fire we played firebird when i was in uh high school and it was the fire show mm, you did it wrong well you're gonna have to tell you my high school band director you should have played um fire and hot 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 and um <laughs> what are the other um, that? uh it was a duke ellington song um uh what was that I can't remember. Hot, hot, hot. What? <laughs> Did J.D. Shaw arrange that show? He arranged. I think he did do that. Um, I don't think he did everything, but he did some of it. That was the Duke Ellington song I went in. God, I forgot about that chart. Um, and then the closer was uh, Ritual Fire Dance. Uh, Ritual Fire Dance was actually pretty good. Yeah, it was. What was Dude. it? Fire. Something da ba da 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 ba ba ba. I can't remember it, but I do remember that Duke Ellington song. It was pretty. It was a good show. It was a. It was solid. Yeah, definitely. It was a. It was a. It was a show. I do feel like every year Carolina band does like a. All right, we're going to state with a show. You know. Yeah. Right. They have their like their big show. Man, that Halloween show from my senior year. I saw that show. Oh man, that was that show was just so much fun to do. Drew. It was cool. It was, and I mean, just the environment for that game. Yeah, that was the Tennessee, Tennessee game, right? Yeah, oh, it was a night game. We had a night pregame. Oh man, it was a, such a great night. Yeah, I was at that. I didn't. I wasn't there for the beginning of that game. I almost didn't come to that game, but uh, I'm really glad I did. Yeah, I'm hoping to get to a couple of games this next season. Like, I want to go to the USC UGA game. Yeah. Um, I won't go. To, I won't go to Death Valley because I hate that place. No, there's no reason to. I hate it. I've never had a good experience there. Have you ever won? No, I guess not because I only have won once in Death Valley. That was my freshman year. Yeah, and I've never. That won was Death a Valley. lot of fun. I'm sure. Um, but I was there for number five. If I can hold that over people's head. That's right. And then uh, we reset. <laughs> we couldn't have another fin- or the, the other hand in there. <laughs> I don't know what this Duke Ellington... Are you sure it was a Duke Ellington song? I am almost positive. I probably still have the score somewhere. Uh, let's see. It was... Hit me where the dog in, in a sentimental mood. No, that was not it. Um... Take the no. Um. Oh, shoot, what was that? Wasn't Caravan. No, we did play that though. That was a good show. That was my favorite show that we did my freshman year. I don't, I don't know. I'm looking at his discography, but I don't see it. What year was it? Oh, Famously Hot. Yep, that's it. That's the show. Let's see what he says. Keep your seats, ladies and gentlemen. Let's see. I just Jimi Hendrix Fire. Okay. Ba -da -ba -da. That's it. Yeah. I remember. Oh, wait. Wait. With a hot note. Hit me with a hot note. That's it. 
Why isn't that on his discography? Yeah, that was fun. It's okay. So we answered the question. That's what we should have played instead of Firebird. <laughs> yeah, all right, I need to go to my music, uh, my music guys and be like, hey, change everything. I, you see this show right here? 11 minutes of, of hot stuff? Replicate right. it. <laughs> Copy, paste, done. Boom. Finals victory. Finals. Go ahead and go ahead and print out the T-shirts. <laughs> Listen to these words that I'm saying. Hot, fire, note. What does Finals that do for you? Victory. What happens when you put all that together? Success. Success. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, presenting their 20, 2018 program. Hot, fire, victory, um, success. Okay. That's it, it. It's, it's a hodgepodge of tunes. They're going to play now. <laughs> uh, whatever. Just just start. <laughs> All right. Additional business? Anything else? Uh, I don't have anything else. I don't either. I really like that our podcast really winds down. You know? Yeah, it's right. not like a big finish. It's like, okay, is there uh, anything else that we want to talk about? Anything else you want to say? Uh, I'm up to close. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us on uh, this uh, second episode of our... All right, no. We, we, we need to name this now. Uh, if you have an idea for uh, this, the name of this podcast, you can vote now. Uh, our lines are open. Uh, or you can send us an email at... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> You can visit us online. And just at Gmail. A, just uh, type, it, type your email into Gmail, and it'll get to us somehow. Yeah, we'll find it. You you post it. We'll find you. Okay, we'll 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 figure it out. Thank you so much for joining us on our yet to be named podcast. Uh, we appreciate you spending time with us and uh, hanging out. We'll see you next time. Night, everybody, or day, so whatever. Bye. Bye.